Hello and welcome back to A Functional Approach with Dr. Jim Chaltis. I am Dr. Jim Chaltis and today I want to discuss a very important topic that is near and dear to my heart uh, for many reasons and that would be around autoimmunity. So autoimmune, that's a very, very big concept. It means a lot of things to a lot of people and most of us out there would kind of just um, think about full-blown autoimmune disease of which there are somewhere upwards of about 90 or so that the mainstream you know, medical establishment has actually named. So uh, we're not going to go over 90 of those. Um, there are some common ones which we can touch on and which I've already touched on in some previous episodes. But um, I want to walk you through some of the concepts around autoimmune physiology, autoimmune expression. How does that happen? Uh, you know, when does it happen? <laughs> Why does it happen? <clears throat> These are all things that a functional approach has to appreciate, has to understand, because a person could be presenting with something very chronic, you know, very annoying, you know, possibly even debilitating, and test normal on all of the lab tests and, and not have full-blown disease. So that puts them out a little bit. That sort of disenfranchises them, so to speak, from their medical care. You know, if you just can't see it on paper, uh, well, it, it's very difficult to diagnose and it's very difficult to treat, uh, at least ethically, right, from a, a mainstream medical perspective. So I want to walk you through, um, you know, kind of a progression here, uh, a theoretical patient, perhaps. So you have a newborn baby, okay? You know, babies are these, you know, typically perfect little creatures. They haven't been alive long enough yet to really develop a lot of the diseases that, you know, us adults tend to suffer. So um, barring some, some very um, significant genetic issues, perhaps, or, you know, physical problems, you know, the newborn does not have autoimmunity. Now, they could be tagged genetically for autoimmune disease. It is my belief that most of us do have genes that are kind of waiting um, that might code for something like autoimmune disease um, or something like cancer. You know, cancer is very, very common in our, in our world, and in our society. Um, the question becomes, what has happened in that person's life to activate the gene? So that's an important concept because you can have a genetic trait. You can have a genetic mutation, if you will, something you inherited from your parents, who passed it down through the generations. And you could go through your whole entire life and never have that gene activate. You know, a gene is only an important concept once it activates. It, it, it's perfectly okay sitting in dormancy, uh, just you know, a part of your DNA, but it doesn't mean that it's actively expressing itself you know, in, in a good or a bad way, depending on the gene, right? So I believe that there's some genetic traits. There, there are a couple genetic traits that are common to all autoimmune people. I don't care if it's rheumatoid arthritis or Hashimoto's thyroiditis or multiple sclerosis or lupus or Sjogren's. It doesn't matter. The physiology underlying those different types of attacks is the same. It might express a little differently case to case, but the concept, the general 
malfunction of the immune system is the same, and that's primarily what I want to talk about today. So, little baby, sweet little thing. Uh, it grows. It grows up. It's exposed to life stresses. It's exposed to microbial infections. These are all part of normal life, perhaps. Um, this, this child, this growing child, um, possibly a young adult, is um, exposed to physical traumas. Maybe they've been in car accidents. Maybe they've knocked their head silly a few times, like I have. Um, you know, perhaps they've lived in, um, in a very um, toxic, possibly abusive environment. Um, you know, our, our mental emotional concepts in our body, they, that, that's not a small detail in, in our physical wellness, in our progression or promotion or onset of disease. Right? We cannot overlook things like living environments, work environments, right? So perhaps you have a college student and they are in a high stress environment. They're working hard towards their degree. It's finals. They happen to be in an old dormitory that might be have, have some mold issues. Um, so that's kind of lurking in the background. Nothing significant enough, mind you, to, to cause any kind of medical alarm. You know, maybe they're not actively sick, but guess what? They're exposed to a microorganism. They're, they're exposed to a known inflammatory immune reactive organism, right? And that could even just be in the form of um, poor air quality. It doesn't even have to be infectious. You know, let's just say that they're also in that, that moldy dorm, but that dorm is situated right next to a major freeway. And so they're, they're inhaling a lot of that brake dust and that road dust. And possibly there's a, an airport overhead and, and they're, they're getting soot from those, um, those turbine engines, right? These are all very realistic concepts. Okay. You can see how things start to mount. Next thing you know, this person's parents get divorced. Okay, so now they got that to stress about, right? And then click. It, now a gene is says, I've had enough of this. And, and the, the stressful, inflammatory environment that has been um, living in for a while, it, it finally crosses a threshold. And, and now that person is part of the autoimmune community. They don't know it. They have no idea. All they know is that they're stressed. Maybe they got the flu or something and, uh, and their parents are, are, are having troubles and they're, you know, things are rough, right? And they, they did knock their head three years ago and don't even think about that anymore as an issue, but guess what it is. So now, now they're in the autoimmune, you know, family, so to speak. So what I mean by that is if, if magically we were to, you know, draw their blood and look for all these different autoimmune antibodies, right? Uh, antibodies are little little um, proteins that the immune system makes to target a specific thing. It targets that flu virus that your your partner gave to you. And, and that way, they already have those antibodies, so you're not going to keep passing it back and forth to each other. But if you're making antibodies against self-tissue, we call them auto-self-auto-antibodies, um, well, that's autoimmunity. That's autoimmune physiology at play. That immune system no longer understands the difference between self-tissue, meaning something to let just pass right on by, and, and that's part of us, we're not going to attack that, and non-self-tissue, such as a virus or a mold or a parasite or a bacteria, right? Um, even chemicals, things that need to be removed from our body. Right? That's an important function of the immune response. We must have that in place. But if that gets too much, 
then the immune system can become overwhelmed. You know, it can become overly sensitized in a lot of ways. And that is opening a door to autoimmunity. So now this person, they qualify. They qualify for that. We, we magically had this understanding of them and, and, and secretly tested their blood for, I don't know, let's just say TPO antibodies, one that I've spoken about plenty already in, in, in various podcasts. TPO is an antibody reaction um, in the thyroid. It has to do with Hashimoto's thyroid, perhaps the most common autoimmune disease that we have, primarily affecting women, interestingly. Uh, so time moves on. This person feels nothing. They, they get over their, their finals. They are no longer sick. Their parents are separated and things are smoothed and, and everybody's doing fairly well now, right? But the autoimmunity exists, all right? So now time kind of passes maybe four or five years later and now there's just some strange symptoms. You know, this person's now, I don't know, let's just say 24, 25 years old. They're in the working world. They're trying to make their their life happen that has its own stresses. Maybe they're not eating great. You know, they, have, they don't have time to eat breakfast, right? So they just uh, they skip it and they eat a muffin at work. Uh, but they did have their coffee with a couple pumps of sugar syrup and all that good stuff. So, you know, they're, they're doing things that it's kind of promoting autoimmunity without knowing it, right? In, in Hashimoto's case, I've spoken about that, that very tight relationship with things like gluten. And so, boy, that muffin at work every day and the pasta at night because it's easy to cook up with your partner and it's, you know, we love pasta and all that, all that stuff. It, it, it just starts to kind of keep going. And so now this person is in an autoimmune reaction state, right? They're no longer just sort of like positive to antibodies silently. Now they're actually feeling this harmony. But when they get their blood tested, that thyroid gland, for example, in this particular example, has not yet suffered enough damage to start to fail. So you run the hormone levels, you run the TSH as a typical screen, and guess what? Everything looks normal. Meanwhile, hair is falling out. Possibly constipation has set in. Their hands and feet are always cold, right? They're tired. They fatigue easily, and they also get triggered and stimulated um, by, by things that they never used to get overly stimulated from. For example, a roller coaster or crowded environments. Maybe they used to like to go clubbing and now they just, you know, if they do that, they just, they fall apart for the next day, right? So these are kind of strange things that this person is now going to start seeking out care for. If they go to their mainstream doctor, boy, that's a tough one in that model because they're really looking for huge shifts. They're waiting for that disease to set in. And once that happens, they are absolutely essential for this type of a case, especially regarding the thyroid system, because thyroid hormones will most likely be required at some point in time, right? The functional doctors, for the most part, unless they have an MD behind them, they can't prescribe hormones. And so we need them. We need to work together. You know, this is a partnership, like I've said a few times. I, I firmly believe in that. We need a team, especially for chronic care. So now they're in this sort of autoimmune mechanism state and they're just kind of considered weird and difficult patients. And I don't know what the problem is. And, you know, just as a doctor, sometimes you just kind of want them to leave because you just know you can't help them. And, that, and that's a terrible place for both doctor and patient to be. Um, so, you know, hopefully somebody figures it out at this stage. This is, this is a classic example of where, you know, a functional medical model can be really, really beneficial because 
yeah, you're sort of a quote unquote weird patient now. You got symptoms that nobody can figure out. Guess what? If we run the antibodies, we will be able to see that flag is positive. Now we have an explanation for that patient. Now the patient goes, oh, thank you, because now I don't feel like I'm going crazy. Like, you're the first one, doc, to tell me why I have all these issues. Why am I depressed? Why am I having bouts of anxiety out of nowhere? And they want to put me on Xanax or Clonopin, highly addictive drugs, you know. Um, yeah, it, it's an autoimmune against your thyroid. Or maybe it's just joint pain. Maybe they're just experiencing a lot of pain in their body, but they're only 25. And they never, like, played football and got beaten up all to death. They, 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 you know, the pain that they're experiencing doesn't match their lifestyle and their, their past lifestyle, their history. So this is the time where functional medicine shines. We get the chance to look. Yes, you pay for it out of pocket. Yes, you do. Uh, but, hey, it depends on your level of suffering. Is it worth it? Cost to benefit, right? What What is that? You know, for depending on the test, depending on what we want to do, to, to add thyroid antibodies to a blood test, like 20 bucks, it's like nothing. It's a no-brainer. I run them on everybody just because it's that common to see. Um, but if you want to get like a really just gold standard, like state-of-the-art, like the Cadillac policy of autoimmune panels, I use a company called Cyrex Labs, C-Y-R-E-X Labs, and their Array 5 looks at, I believe it's 24 different potential autoimmune attacks, kind of head to toe. They've got a handful of neurological brain-based um, tissues, very common to see, by the way. Um, thyroid's in there. Uh, all the major organs are in there. Bone, you know, testes and ovaries. You'd be surprised what comes up, to be honest. You'd be very surprised. So that's what you do when you when you kind of need to look a little deeper. That's 600 bucks. That's $599, I believe, for that panel. It's not chump change. Okay, I understand, understand that. There's a time for that when... When all else isn't proving fruitful, right? When nobody can figure it out, when you are actively starting to suffer, but you're falling through the cracks, because guess what? You don't have full-blown autoimmune disease. Okay, so that brings me to the last phase. What is What qualifies as autoimmune disease? Dis-ease, right? It's actually when there's a failure of the gland or the organ or the system that is sufficient enough to require medical intervention and by that i mean surgeries something now needs to get chopped out of you you know maybe you need to lose a piece of your colon now because there's just so much destruction that 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 colon is bleeding and it's it's causing issues you know that that's a disease right that's no longer this sort of like smoldery um, autoimmune mechanism state no you have a disease at that point right um or for just to pick on the thyroid again, um, if that gland has failed to such a degree that thyroid hormones are now dropping and TSH is above the lab range, right? Then that would be okay. Now I need thyroid hormone replacement. I need I need medicine. I need medicine every single day for the rest of my life. That's a disease, right? Now you must have those levels of support, right? They 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 at that stage in the in the disease progression you must have that level of support. I will not work with you unless you agree to, to taking that level of support if it's required, okay? Um, I'm a natural type doctor and I want to help people avoid pharmaceutical medications for as long as possible and for as many things as possible. 
right? That is, that is a goal of mine. And I think that's why people come to functional or natural-based medicines. Having said that, I know the difference of when it is required and when it's not necessarily required, or maybe not required yet, right? After a short little trial of something. So I will be the first one to say, ma'am, usually ma'am for the thyroid, or sir, or, or person, um, you need hormones, or you need a consult with a gastroenterologist. You, you might require another level of intervention. And guess what? I can also help because what they're going to be great at is solving the immediate issue of the disease. They're going to stabilize the disease, however that means to them and you and your condition, be it medication, be it surgeries, what have you. The functional approach can also support it from the bottom up because realistically, for the most part, the mainstream looks mostly at symptoms control, right? And, and, and replacement, right? Replacement at that fundamental level. But let's just stick with the thyroid. If it's the thyroid hormones that are failing, great, they've replaced them. But to consider Hashimoto's thyroiditis a thyroid disease primarily is missing the point completely, right? That's what I see going wrong most of the time is that these patients come in and they say, oh, I've got Hashimoto's or they don't even know they just have I mean, low thyroid, but, but I've got this thyroid disease. And I'll have to look at them and say, well, yes, but, but no, actually, no. No, primarily you have an immune system disease. You have an immune system that no longer understands the difference between self-tissue and non-self-tissue. It just so happens that your thyroid or your cartilage or your neurological tissue or your liver, right? Or in some cases, your, your testes and ovaries, if it's like an infertility case, they're just the innocent victims. So I like to kind of think of it like this too. If you're a parent and you have you know, a child that comes home from school beat up every day by a bully, right? And it's terrible and, and he looks a mess and he's crying, right? And things aren't working great. He doesn't want to do his homework. He's not thriving because this bully is destroying his life. All right, it's a terrible situation. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to evoke some darkness here, but it, it sort of applies. So what do you do? You give him milk and cookies, right? Hopefully, hopefully gluten-free cookies. <laughs> do you do that? Yeah, of course you do. They need the support. They need the help, right? They need the hug and the loves and, and, and to make it right. Nothing like a good mommy hug if you have one or a hug from your parent or partner. But what's that done to the bully? That son of a bitch is still over there on the schoolyard waiting for him. Going to come to him every day. Going to knock him silly. You know, come right back home and need more love and cookies. So you can't just treat the thyroid, right? You can't just treat the inflammation in the joints from destruction. You have to take care of that bully. If you don't, you've missed the point completely. All right, so that's one reason I, I scream inwardly when I see these Hashimoto's cases just handled as a hypothyroid when, no, it's not just a hypothyroid. It's an autoimmune disease. What are we doing for the autoimmunity? Now, to give them credit, and believe me, I, I, I try to bring it back to, to uh, this constant notion that I'm not trying to bash any system. I'm trying to explore the strengths and the benefits of all systems. I know where my limitations are, and I refer once I meet them. All right, that's responsible doctrine. 
I'm always renegotiating whether this patient belongs in my practice or not. That needs to be a, a constant communication. So um, there aren't too many things in the mainstream pharmaceutical world that moderate autoimmunity. And by moderate, I mean not wipe out. Okay, we have plenty of immune suppressive drugs and they are used in autoimmunity in only in certain cases. But put it this way, if you have a Hashimoto's condition, it is considered unethical, and I would agree completely, to give somebody immune suppressive drugs because your immune system is so vital. If you suppress your immune system to save your thyroid gland, then you might die of a flu, right? Or you might die the next time COVID comes around for you, or, or you might die of cancer, right? So we don't want that. Like again, risk to benefits, right? Now, if you have an autoimmunity of your brain and you're losing function in your legs and you, you know, you can't function as a, as a human very well, right? And you're, and you're becoming more and more debilitated and wheelchair bound. Okay, maybe you, you talk to your doctor and they, they agree to do some uh, immune suppressive you know, therapy. I mean, that, that's the reality. People with really aggressive MS, for example, oftentimes go through immune suppressive therapy and it saves their brain, right? Now they have to be careful in other ways. So if we get into this concept as a functional approach, we want to start searching for all of those drivers. This takes time. This takes money. This takes um, the, you know, persistence of both doctor and patient working together because, you know, you have to make massive lifestyle changes this is what's required, right? It's a common question when I do a dietary modification with somebody, especially in the autoimmune world. We're like, great, you have a Hashimoto's case. We know that gluten and dairy and you know these other foods are all cross-reactive, meaning if you eat them, you're going to attack your thyroid. I need you off of those foods. And maybe we'll start with a full-blown like autoimmune paleo diet, which takes away all grains, all dairy, um, eggs, soy, nuts and seeds, beans and legumes, and nightshades like tomatoes, potatoes, eggplants, peppers, and sugar and alcohol, okay? Now, that's a mouthful. That's a lot of you can'ts. No one likes to hear you can't or you can never. You know, I, I, I'm careful how I word that, but that, that's the reality of an autoimmune paleo diet. Do they have to be on that forever? The answer is probably not. Probably not. Um, you know, I, I, there are some cases out there where that's the only way they can function and you find that out over time but generally it's a let's say a 30 to even better 90 day intervention with something really dramatic like that take away the food triggers that that are known to kind of push these autoimmune issues and the autoimmune paleo diet aip diet is a very well practiced and very well studied uh, dietary approach there's nothing missing if you're doing it right you can live that way forever it's just lacking a lot of those little lovelies that we enjoy. So, um, so no, how long do I do it? I, I don't know. Sometimes you do it as long as you want to support that disease. Is it a matter of just repairing the gut and improving tolerance to foods? Maybe. Likely for a lot of things, actually. So you start with an autoimmune paleo diet and then maybe scale it back to regular paleo for a while. So just no grains, no dairy, moderate sugar. Uh, Alcohol, I think, is even okay on a paleo diet. If you want to drink a little, just don't drink too much. It's terrible for the gut and other places and the immune function. Um, but, you know, after that initial push, you can start to get back your life a little bit. In some cases, the conversation needs to be had. 
I want you to never look at gluten again. Right? I don't want you to ever consider putting it in your mouth because if you do, you will attack your own tissues. Right? That's just the reality. Right? So we start with hardcore aggression <laughs> up front as far as like what are we going to do for the diet and removing triggers. We see how that responds and then we start to add things back in. Elimination provocation. That is a gold standard for addressing food-based uh, immune reactions, right? You can do all kinds of wonderful testing, but the gold standard is elimination provocation because the reality is, is you can react to foods in ways that you just cannot test for on paper. Therefore, you might get false negative findings. But it's a tool nevertheless, and, uh, and all of those things can be explored. All right. So to recap, brand new baby. Nothing wrong with a brand new baby, just maybe they might be tagged for some kind of autoimmune genetics. Something happens in that person's life, usually lots of some things overlapping together. That creates um, inflammatory triggers that click on genetics, and now they are magically in an autoimmune club, and they have no idea. It just, if we were to randomly test a thousand people in a crowd that were, that were healthy and asymptomatic, uh, we would find a certain percentage of people that are in this autoimmune reactivity state. No symptoms yet, just, yep, you're in there. Only time will tell how that progresses. Now, go forward 5, 10, 20 years, who knows? Honestly, it could be, could be six months, depending on the triggers, and now you start feeling weird symptoms. Now you're kind of in that autoimmune reaction stage where you're just that weird patient no one can figure out, and you're just starting to notice things that are, are getting in the way. Uh, perfect time, perfect, perfect time for a functional approach because now we can start to address this as it really is, an autoimmune reaction. How do we tamp down the autoimmunity? Um, I'm going to talk about what to do in autoimmunity in another episode uh, because, you know, I want to keep this relatively on point here time-wise. So, uh, like the cardiology, like, you know, other things, this is autoimmune series, right? This is a mini-series within a functional approach podcast. So uh, fast forward a little bit more. Now the system fails. Now an MD or somebody with a prescribing uh, or surgical licensure can in get involved and actually help manage the disease. You are in a disease state. You have crossed that line. Most likely you will experience and or suffer from that disease in some form or another to varying degrees uh, for the rest of your life. That is the rub with autoimmunity. Uh, once autoimmune, always autoimmune. Um, if we can eliminate the autoimmune disease completely, we will win the Nobel Prize in medicine and be very, very famous because um, current medical science does not know how to do that. So what we can do is help moderate the autoimmune expression. It's all about the physiology driving it and you can even go into a remission state with a disease. That's very realistic. Or, in my opinion, success can be measured simply as less frequent episodes, less severe episodes, better quality of life. Hey, if you have destroyed organ that can't repair, if, <clears throat> pardon me, if your brain has been destroyed from autoimmunity to some degree, you can't get those lost tissues back, right? So you might be stuck where you're at. Uh, oftentimes you can kind of improve a little bit around that, but the, the problem, the, you know, the damage has occurred. Okay. 
something. We need to be realistic, right? That's a very important thing, both patient and doctor. I don't care who you are, what medical license you have. Um, but that understanding between patient and practitioner needs to be in place. What do you expect? In what time frame do you expect it? Right? And how realistic is that? Right? If you tell me that you have had lupus for 15 years and you would like for me to cure, you know, cure you or at least dramatically improve your lupus symptoms in a month, well, we're going to have to have a talk about that because that's not realistic. It might be possible. I just don't see that happening often. So exploring the expectation can go a long way in that patient experience, right? Because you don't want to get all like depressed and bogged down that like, oh, I changed my diet, nothing's working. And autoimmunity is about fishing for mechanisms. And there's usually multiple ones, which is why I love doing what I do. And if I were to be labeled as a specialty in anything, it'd probably be autoimmunity. Um, it's an area of health and wellness that is significantly underserved, in my opinion. You know, people in this in this category do not seem to be getting the help that they need. Right? Um, I, I hope to do that, and that takes time, and that takes money sometimes to order some cool labs that insurance for example, won't cover. And you just need to kind of let things unfold over time. Also knowing that over larger periods of time, your triggers might change, right? It might start out as like, oh, you know, these food reactions and I'm not sleeping great and all that stuff. And that's your major drivers. You know, fast forward 10 more years and maybe you're living in a different home. Now there's environmental pollutants that you're reacting to. Um, maybe your brain has, uh, has changed a little bit and you, um, and you become more sensitive to crowds and motions and you know and, and, and you name it <laughs> and so now you have more of a brain-based inflammatory reaction driving the autoimmunity right this is complicated stuff folks right that's my job to work with you about that um, autoimmunity is a can of worms it, it it's a moving target it's chronic care right um, it's very different i i've i've learned that i i I try not to even ask a patient how they're doing that day if I know they're in the middle of a chronic situation. It's not because I don't care. It's because how they're feeling that day doesn't really matter. And it can actually make them feel worse because today they might, might feel terrible, right? So it's important to kind of keep that in mind if you're an autoimmune patient that I'm going to have bad days. Even if I'm doing everything right, I'm going to have bad days. So we need to learn how to tamp those bad days down as quickly and efficiently as possible. So, you know, maybe you kind of like you, you do your thing, you went autoimmune paleo for three months and you're feeling so much better and you're taking some anti-inflammatory compounds and things that are known to modulate immune reactions. And, and then one day you just fall apart. Right? You're doing it all right still. That's okay. You're going to revert back to those initial pushes like, all right, I'm going to go back AIP for like, let's say like even a week. Um, I'm just going to dramatically control my inflammatory mechanisms. I'm going to double or triple my doses of turmeric or, or glutathione, things that you've been kind of taking at a more basic maintenance level. You know, we can talk about this in a future episode, but, but that's kind of what autoimmunity, that's the reality of autoimmunity. I'm not trying to hide anything here or mislead you into thinking that this is easy uh, or simple. 
All I can tell you is that a functional approach is possibly one of the best ways to really ferret out all of those different mechanisms that are quite possibly ruining your quality of life, right? It's not uncommon for people to say like, I can't go to Six Flags Magic Mountain with you, you know, my, my lovely friends, we're gonna go have a great time because I just can't tolerate it anymore. I can't eat the food there and I can't tolerate the, the motion and the crowds. Um, that can also be a neurological thing, but you know, brains take a hit with autoimmunity. I don't care what, what it is. You could have autoimmunity to your bones. If your, your brain is going to take a hit, it's an inflammatory condition. Um, or you just, you can't go out for dinners because you just have to eat all your own food now, right? Like that's, that's not a great place to be. And, um, I tell you all this <laughs> kind of on the, um, coattails of my last podcast, talking about my more recent cardiovascular findings. Um, tell you this because I have three known autoimmune reactions in myself. I do not have autoimmune disease. Nothing has failed, but I absolutely have autoimmune mechanisms that I feel symptomatically, right? I am now one of those people who says, yeah, if I go out, I gotta, if I'm going to a party, guess what? My stomach's half full because I don't know what they're serving there. You know, there's houses I've been to where every single thing they have is gluten. I, I can't have it. And gluten to me will take away 10 to 14 days of my life. One bite. That's it. Can't do it. It sets in motion a chain of events and I fall apart. And I'm not a happy person. And uh, I can't do that to myself. So the functional way really helps with that. Okay. I think I would like to leave it at that. We will continue this conversation. Absolutely. It's a, it's a mainstay. Because also, guess what? If you are approaching any chronic care, you know, therapy as an autoimmune condition. Let's just say who knows if you have one or if you don't, but if you treat it like one, you're probably going to start feeling better anyways, because an autoimmune therapeutic approach is very anti-inflammatory, right? It's, it's searching for driving mechanisms. And I don't care what that is. Maybe you're a migraine sufferer. Maybe that's all you have is migraines and that's bad enough. You can have migraines four days a week, and that's no way to be. Um, we're going to talk about migraines. That's a big, big topic. But uh, if you start finding food triggers, I mean, that's one of the most common things that ever comes of an elimination diet is people's headaches go away, right? So working around autoimmune concepts is good for everybody, right? And if you find autoimmune reactions, meaning antibodies to your own self-tissues, well, welcome to the club. Life is different now for you, and let's optimize it, shall we? That's that's why I get up every day. Okay, thank you so much for your time and attention on this very um, interesting topic. At least I find it interesting. Um, call me nerdy, if you will. I accept. But uh, it's my pleasure to share this, this free content with you and help um, educate and empower. That that's That's my goal. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you. This is Dr. Jim Chaltis, and this is A Functional Approach. Bye-bye.